awesome. Thanks, everyone. What a packed room of great marketers. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. I know a lot of the things that I'm going to talk about are probably not revolutionary, but things that might help you take a different perspective on how you can leverage your existing resources and your existing budget to make it go as far as possible. Um, my background is also technology. I've worked at um, Microsoft, Kobo, and Sony. Um, those were really large companies. And after that, I went over to the startup world and worked at um, Juice Mobile and Thinking Capital and Benicade. Um, Thinking Capital and Benicade before those two got acquired by really large companies. And so um, we're always like the smaller guys um, trying to fight against the bigger guys with smaller budgets. And there've been a couple of different tactics that I've been able to use in my career that I'm hoping to share with you guys today um, that will hopefully give you some ideas to launch off and be more creative as well within your marketing teams. And so um, like Kelly mentioned, this is interactive. So we've got a couple of discussion questions at the end and I would love to hear your perspective as well and hear what you guys have tried um, within the marketplace. Um, some of my tips are also available on Forbes. Uh, I'm also a writer on there as well. So let's get started. Uh, I just wanted to pull the slide up to talk a bit about brand value. Some of these biggest brands have huge budgets. You can see Pampers here with $8.3 billion US. Um, and obviously not all of us have the luxury of having such large budgets. Um, and to be honest, not always the biggest budget means the biggest brand value. So you can see here, Amazon was not on that list, but it is one of the most valued brands. And so the biggest brand budget does not always translate into success. So what can we do? There's so many different examples of things that we can do that are not necessarily tied to budget. Here's some examples from some big companies. For example, Krispy Kreme really invests in their employees because they know that the retail experience is key. Getting that smell out, getting people to walk by, um, that's a big part of their marketing and making sure that their staff are educated and can sell. Until recently, Trader Joe's in the US didn't even have a website, which is pretty crazy. So um, they really invested also in their in-store experience, making sure they had great retail displays, um, having smells and um, really interactive displays on site. When Spanx was founded, they couldn't even afford a marketing spot. So Spanx worked really through community referral um, and leveraging the network of their existing customers to grow. GoPro um, uses a lot of user-generated content. So instead of spending a lot of um, money on uh, photography or video shoots, they really ask their um, consumers to show different use cases and how they're leveraging the GoPro, which is a great way to save on photography costs. So these are just some examples of how other companies have made the most out of a modest budget. But here's some of my examples as well. So the first one I want to chat about is leveraging your employees. Uh, usually, even with small teams, you've got a lot of people wearing a bunch of different hats. I know in the introductions, I heard someone who was a project manager who was also responsible for marketing. Um, and so wearing many hats is actually an opportunity. Uh, within marketing specifically, there are a lot of people who have hobbies that could really help. For example, photography, graphic design, creative writing, blogs and articles. Um, you might have someone who's really interested in social media, who's a secret influencer for their um, succulent business on the side, or you might have, um, that's an actual person in one of our uh, client organizations. And so she's amazing with social media and really knows the ins and outs. And instead of hiring an external person, using this person who already has that organizational knowledge, who's super passionate about your company, especially within a small company and team, um, and leveraging those skills can help bring your costs down, especially with vendor fees and agencies. So I would consider you, um, or I'd ask you to consider to look at your employees and see who's doing what and what kind of skills you can leverage within your organization as well. Another thing is partner marketing. Partner marketing is great when you have a limited budget because you can pool your resources for a greater audience. So with partner marketing, what we're saying is looking for companies that have similar audience or target market, but not necessarily the same product, obviously, because you don't want to be competing. So complements are great, um, substitutes, not necessarily, right? So looking for something that complements your business, and then you can try partner marketing takes form in so many different ways. There's blog writing where you can write for each other's blogs. Um, you can 
market and cross-sell to each other's bases. You can advertise to each other's bases. Um, you can pool for uh, co-op marketing dollars and share advertising space. There's so many different ways that you can look at partner marketing, um, but this is just one way that you can cut your costs in half. And you can also benefit from brand, um, brand value. So say there's another brand that's really building out a cool niche um, and you want to kind of piggyback off that. Uh, by partnering with them, you can get that brand value as well as not necessarily have to do it all by yourself. Cost-effective channels um, are a great way to bring your spend down. So instead of advertising, consider PR. PR is one of the most cost-effective um, impression. That's because you're paying for your time and effort, making those relationships with the journalist and telling your story, um, as opposed to paying for that advertising space. So getting bloggers and journalists to feature your article, using your digital and social presence to amplify your messaging, um, those are some very cost-effective channels that you can focus on. Your own channels, your website, your social media, you don't even have to pay to market on those, but you still have to build an audience. And so building an audience sometimes comes really easily through PR if you're able to, not just traditional PR, when I say PR, um, I mean, like grassroots events, trying to do stunts, um, doing creative kind of little activations where you can get people's attention um, and then get them to feature you. Have any of you guys done any cool PR um, activities that have cost little? I was going to ask you to maybe share um, uh, Andrew's story that he had done um, with the yellow oh, yeah. fruit. So one example is um, we had a Fox School Entrepreneur Summit last week and we had a speaker who was from Yellow Fruit and he um, had 10,000 bucks and that was his entire marketing budget. And so he, Yellow Fruit is a frozen dessert uh, made out of uh, bananas. And so Andrew was able to find some guy in the US who had a banana car and hire him for 10K to come up to Canada and sell yellow fruit and drive around and get publicity. And that 10K was much more than any sort of advertising that he could have ever gotten. He was able to get huge brand value, lots of awareness, um, and it's a pretty creative way. And then obviously PR is interested because it's something different or unique. So that was an interesting way. Um, on a B2B side, what we're doing with Foxquilt for this entrepreneur summit is we we know that we want to target entrepreneurs and so we've created a way for people to come together and share their expertise share their knowledge in a panel format with networking for entrepreneurs at the end and so that costs us nothing to put on um, especially now that it's virtual but even when it wasn't virtual it was a modest modest like food and beverage budget but that conference and that summit um, really did wonders for brand value for bringing in partners for establishing um, new potential leads. And so there are a lot of creative kind of things that you can do that cost nothing, but get quite a bit of attention. So Roshni, I have a question. How would you approach the journalists to write about um, your company? That's a great question. So first, I think research and preparation is the biggest part of PR, understanding the journalist and understanding what they're writing about and who their audience is. And so usually what we do is we do a quick research exercise where we create a list of all of the journals who are writing about what we're interested in or the topics that we want to cover. And then kind of note on the side of the list what they're covering. And then the next step would be to create something that's interesting and newsworthy. A lot of the times when we create press releases or we create media advisories, we think the, inter the information is interesting but we have to think about it from the audience point of view. So what is the human story? Who would read this? Um, why would it be interesting? And then you send an email pitch. So the email pitch needs to be really specific in terms of addressing the journalists and their audience. Um, now we know everyone is on a cell phone too. So you're, they're not gonna scroll more than once. So we need to have your entire you know, point and everything you want them to read in one scroll within your email. And then you get them to contact you back for more information or set up an interview. Um, and it's a slow process. Building those relationships, you might have five or six emails that go unanswered and then the sixth one get answered. 
So it's just showing them that your company is active. Usually with startups and small businesses, um, journalists are a little nervous to cover you because nobody else has covered you. So once you can show some sort of traction or show that you're doing stuff on a regular basis, like hit them every month with, here's something else that we're doing and here's something else that we're doing and building that relationship, then they're like, man, these guys have hit me up for eight months in a row. They must be doing something. I don't wanna be the last person on the story. So hopefully that helps. Yeah, yeah my pleasure. Um, and so another thing that uh, I encourage people to do is look at your marketing software stack and leverage as many free tools as possible. There's so many marketing softwares out there that cost a lot of money. For example, Photoshop. Photoshop is super expensive, um, but at the same time, you can do a lot of the things you might need on Canva. Um, Google Analytics is a great tool. Obviously, it's free. Trello has a freemium model where you can access the um, project management part. HubSpot is a great CRM. The CRM part is free. The marketing automation part is not. So I would try to leverage as many free tools as possible. And within these free tools, they're also within the freemium models, there are also opportunities for you to negotiate. So one thing that I tell my team is even though the price is on the website, that doesn't mean that's the only price that exists. And so even within HubSpot, for example, they have a special package for um, new and upcoming startups that think that they think they're going to grow with. And once they lock you in, they know that you're not probably going to move your CRM. Um, so I encourage you all to check out free and free tools. And if the tool is not free, negotiate, ask them if there is a price for startups that are, you know, want to trial it out or if you can even get a couple of months for free um, a lot of the times they'll say okay try the product out for a couple of months and then you can save a couple of months of subscription too yeah i i don't know this question could be for kevin or roshni now because uh, we do get uh, google credit from google so that's how we are running our cloud uh, vms and what about HubSpot? Do they give um, uh, startup credits so that we could use it like $10,000 or $20,000 so we could use it for one or two years? I haven't seen um, HubSpot credits, but I have seen special pricing for um, startups. Kevin, how about you? Yeah, same thing here. Um, they have their HubSpot for startups program. And then um, to Roshni's point, um, with most organizations, the, the published price is never the final price. You can, if you're a shared negotiator, you can usually uh, get some, some discounts. Okay. Cool. Um, another point that I wanted to bring up is, especially when starting in-source key activities and outsource experts. So insourcing and outsourcing can be a great way to kind of figure out um, what key skills you need in your organization and then slowly build. So sometimes what I see with uh, a lot of startups is they either hire super junior people and they hope that they can run it or they hire super senior people who don't really want to do the work and be hands-on or they've got an agency dealing with everything. Uh, I think the ideal mix is a mix of all of those um, and I think you have to kind of figure out what's best for your business. So if you're running a lot of Google ads, for example, having someone who can do that in-house is important because you want to build that skill internally and you want to kind of leverage the data that's coming in from Google for your sales team and for your other teams as well. Um, so certain things that you can consider insourcing um, or consider outsourcing are things like graphic design maybe campaign development, contact, content creation and execution. But the things that are really important to keep in-house are project management, really being able to keep everything going, keep everything to flow, bringing in that internal organizational information back over to your agencies. Cross-functional programs, so then like any sort of sales programs or anything that requires um, deep integration with your company should be in-sourced. And budgeting and forecasting, obviously you wanna have people inside your organization own the goals, own the forecast, and own um, budget accountability. Um, but these are just some examples. I would just say look at your own company specifically and see, do you need a full-time person for this? And if not, then maybe it's appropriate to outsource. Or is having a full-time expert in this area going to be super expensive? And then what's the difference between having an intern or a junior person doing that versus the expert? Will you make an ROI by having the expert? 
we have to think about these HR decisions as like business decisions too, right? So are you going to make an ROI? Will this be profitable? Um, and if so, then, and if you can use that resource internally for other things, um, then maybe it's better to hire them internally. But this could be a great way to save a lot of money. Um, cost of acquisition can generally drive budgets up. And so I recommend doubling down on your existing customers where possible. Um, you can definitely reduce your cost of, cost of acquisition by going to the people who already buy from you and like you. So you can try cross-selling, creating complementary services for your existing customers, developing bulk programs, bulk discounts or loyalty programs, and then encouraging your customers to recommend you to each other and to their peers. Um, the recommendation engine is super strong. I know that like in certain B2B um, spheres, referrals are like the number one way to close business. Um, I know like in the marketing sphere, getting a referral from a customer almost guarantees us that uh, we're gonna close. And so I think if we leverage our existing customers, uh, we can get a lot more than trying to get net new customers, trying to convince them, bring them on board, and then you know get them up to our brand and get them into our communities as well. So leveraging your existing community and customer base can be a really good way. And then finally, there's a lot of money out there that we may not be tapping into. So there are a lot of government grants um, out there. There are pitch competitions. There are even competitions for marketing services. Um, I know that we ran one out in the summer where we put out um, a marketing service prize pack just to see and help other businesses during COVID. Um, and so a couple of different companies won and they received a free marketing evaluation and some help and support throughout the way. So there are lots of opportunities for pitches. Um, there's a company called Startup Fuel where um, they're uh, like, I would say a social media for businesses and startups. Um, and they post a bunch of pitches on there as well. So it's a great platform. And then finally, crowdsourcing platforms. Uh, that's just another way to find additional funds. Um, but again, if you're given a limited amount of dollars, uh, there's opportunity to seek dollars elsewhere. And so even some of the government grants can help fund um, like a marketing intern or marketing junior. I know that at Fox Quilt, we leveraged IRAP um, to help bring on a junior marketer. Um, and eventually IRAP paid, I think, half of their uh, salary. And eventually that person has grown now to become you know, a full-time member of the team. So it was a great way to bring her in without having to pay her full cost of salary. Rashmi, sorry, on that, um, a lot of the universities, and I think you can go through, it's ITAC is one of them, but if you contact, I know Seneca College, York University, they have a work integrated learning program. So they call it WIL, W-I-L. And through that, you can get a lot of the students who have to do their co-op um, positions and they'll help you cover about 75% of their costs and it's um, most people that apply for it get that and um, it just it allows you that opportunity but if you look through some of the universities um, I know definitely Seneca and York University have that and, and it's for different positions you can do marketing you could do um, all all kinds of things programming etc and so forth that's a great uh, right, point. You know, Rushni, one other, one other source I'd mention is a, a Vancouver platform called Ripen, R-I-I-P-E-N, which connects, uh, connects companies with universities all over North America. And they, uh, before COVID, they used to uh, charge for their platform. It, it was, there was a $2,500 or dollar or more fee, a couple of levels of it. But since COVID, they've been overwhelmed by demand from the universities for companies looking for help. And it's completely free. Uh, we've had very good success looking at a couple of programs, um, uh, not specifically for marketing, although there's lots out there for marketing, but they have a whole platform by which you can submit your project and find a prof and a group of students to work on it for either one or two terms, uh, depending, on, on, uh, depending on the situation. So very good source. Yeah, that's a good idea. Looking at students as well um, can definitely bring down the cost and can also get you access to some smart talent before they fully mature and you can train them up to your organizational culture. Thanks, Douglas. I'm definitely going to check out um, Ripen. <laughs> All right. 
And so that kind of brings us to the end of my presentation with some of the ideas. I wanted to open it up to the team because you guys are also experienced marketers. Uh, what creative ideas have you seen in practice? Um, or what things have you tried to conserve your budget? Or uh, we can also chat about if you've seen anything that's super wasteful from your perspective. You know, I'll say when I'll start off with something um, with uh, with COVID and with Technex going online, um, obviously Zoom is a part of everybody's life, but we started recording all the peer groups and the lunch and learning sessions and podcasts. And uh, for anybody who's looking to start podcasting, um, Kevin uh, put me onto a tool called anchor.fm and it's a free podcasting um, recording tool, uh, editing suite, everything. And you upload everything and you, uh, you, everything gets submitted to the top seven podcast providers. So TechConnex is on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all that stuff and it has cost nothing uh, to do. And it's super easy uh, with its uh, transitions and I think it comes out pretty professional. So if you guys are recording or looking to do podcasts, anchor.fm uh, is definitely a way, a good one to check out. Um. Hi, Roshni. This is Ellen. I have two, I have two questions for you. Uh, first, you mentioned earlier that um, you ran like a round table slash conference for Fox Entrepreneur or something like this. Fox School, yeah. Okay. So um, I'm wondering what platform you ran that on. Did you do that just through Zoom or did you use one of these like fancy, um, you know, conference you know, software type. We bootstrapped it. Kelly helped us actually um, and we did it all through Zoom and uh, what we did was we had everyone together then we did some breakout rooms and then came back together um, and so yeah you can use the software that you have and try to be creative. Um, we, at first we saw I don't know if any of you've been on any of the conferences with Hopin but Hopin is a really interesting one where they've got networking rooms and breakout areas and you can have little conferences within there. It is so expensive. Um, oh, it is okay. cost prohibiting expensive. Um, unless that's your business of running conferences, like we looked into it and it was just ridiculous. And so we did it through, you know, our bootstrapped way with Kelly and it cost us nothing. <laughs> Good to know. Okay. Yeah, we've been investigating the breakout rooms and that. My other question is about um, webinars. Um, have you been running a lot of webinars since COVID? If so, you know, what are you finding your success rate is like um, there? Yeah, I think like the virtual events have been hard. Um, but I think people are still uh, looking for networking opportunities and that human connection. And so I think the webinars are good because they're a lot of information back. But I think the big part of what we've seen successful are the webinars that have audience participation or networking, or there's some sort of human component or something fun um, that they could do just so that there's a draw for coming in because some of the content can sometimes be dry. Um, and especially like it's our organization. So we think our product information is so cool and so exciting, but I mean, for audiences to draw audiences in, it's been tough. Um, and I would say Facebook groups are a really great place to post those events and get signups. What we've found the most success from for the entrepreneur summits is posting those on different Facebook groups or LinkedIn groups. And that's where we see the majority of people sign up. So you're targeting, you would go into LinkedIn and sort of find groups that, that are targeting that specific audience and then post the event there? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's good advice. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. I was going to say, I could just talk really quickly to the breakout rooms as well in terms of um, kind of that networking aspect and moving people around. It's actually quite easy, especially if you're using the Zoom. And what we ended up doing, the, the one thing is we wanted to mix the groups up a little bit more, but it was um, logistically, if everybody had signed up that or came that signed up, it would have been a bit easier because you moved up, but you're trying to do things last minute. But we ended up moving the facilitators that like our panelists into each of the groups. And when we did that, there was groups of about five people that got a chance to chat and um, meet one another a little bit more. It was definitely more interactive. They were smaller groups and you find people speak up a lot more. But if you have any questions, Ellen, about how to use the Zoom and the breakouts, I'm, I'm getting a lot better at it. So 
Yeah, I will. I will reach out to you for that. Thanks, Kelly. Okay, no problem. Yeah, I, I mean, it's one of these things I could even show you now, but you can set it up too. You have um, the ability to set it up two different ways. And it's whether it's um, you make the groups or whether it's just a randomizer as well. And then one of the other tools, and we haven't used it here, but in, um, in Zoom, you have the ability to use a Blackboard as well or whiteboard, I guess, is what it is. And um, people can jot things down and, and share that information as well. So kind of when you're in a situation like this. Kelly, does Zoom have the ability to allow you to just create rooms and let people drop in as opposed to assigning them? Um, yes, it does actually. And uh, I'm not 100% certain how that works, but it does allow people to move from room to room. So if you were to have specific speakers, um, I had looked that up, but I you thought- You could also create different, uh, different like Zoom meetings for each speaker and then publicize the list and then tell people that when they can jump mm -hmm. into any room when they want to. There's, there's another tool called Remo, R-E-M-O, that was used at a conference I attended some time back. I've never seen it used again. It, it's actually fairly inexpensive, I think. And, but it was, the way it was done was quite, um, interesting and very user-friendly. It was one of the best virtual conferences I've attended so far. The way they had it laid out was kind of like a map on a conference room floor. So if you were looking down at the conference center, for instance, on Front Street, when you're looking down from the balcony, you'd see all these different booths. Well, in this case, it was different rooms with different topics assigned to each room and people could just drop in and out of whatever room that contained a topic they were interested in having a discussion on. And it worked extremely well. It was you could you could move in and out easily and quickly whether you're interested or not so just a thought i just put the link for that one in here because i looked it up or i guess like a low-tech creative workaround for something like that is if you could build a page where even like an image and you've created these different zoom links for the different rooms um, and then you could put the zoom link and hyperlink each like a map or whatever and then you've got that map and then people can click on the map and click on the various links and then jump into the various Zoom rooms. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just trying to use my creativity to not spend any money. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that's, I think like for Fox School, our budgets have been super tight and most of our clients, you know, within COVID have really been afraid to spend money. Uh, I know that I've done some research and Obviously, they say spending in a recession, the people who spend actually come out on top because there's less competition right now. You keep your momentum going, etc. But it can be hard when you have no cash flow um, to spend, right? Um, I have a question for Roshni or the group uh, regarding uh, Zoom. Um, are you aware of any, um, are you aware or finding that some attendees are hesitant to, to attend events on Zoom just for security concerns? Um, I haven't heard that, but Ellie, have you? No, I have not. I, um, I guess they've changed a few things, how you do it. I think there's also a couple of different ways of going about using the Zoom. So I know one way is that a link gets set out, sent out and everybody has to um, register individually. So that's one way and then they get their own personal link. Yeah. And then the other thing here is that um, do it like how we do because the other way I find people end up losing their their link to get to get in is what happens here but when people are in I can set a security I can lock the room mm -hmm. as well so that nobody else can jump in um, so once everybody kind of comes in you just hit lock now the only thing is if somebody drops off because of their internet, it's harder for them to get back in. That's the only, that's the only issue that we have found through that. Uh, I do know, and I, I've told this story, is that my daughters go to school in the U.S. and one of them did have a, an attack in one of their um, classes. So they had to change the thing because what was happening is people were using the exact same link for everything. So that's the one recommendation is every meeting you have, make a new link. Don't use the same one because you can use a personal one, but then you have people. And I, I will give a story on that. I was given a link because I was supposed to be meeting somebody. And unfortunately I had it at the wrong time. Like it was 1030, I guess. And I clicked it at 10 and ended up in her meeting with other people. 
And it was because she used the same link for every single, um, every single meeting that she had. Mm. So that's the one suggestion, change that, change that up as well. Just a follow-up question to that. Um, have you used Teams for any events or, and, and what's your experience been like? Um, we've been using with Zoom for our webinars and we really like how user-friendly it is and we haven't used Teams yet uh, for webinars. And we're just wondering um, what, what uh, others' experience has been like. Has anyone I personally used Teams? haven't used Teams. Has anyone here used Teams before for any events? I've used Teams. Uh, my client, the government, are using teams they're not allowed to use zoom because of security issues they focus on the microsoft uh, ecosystem from using office to uh, ms teams it's pretty good they work out very well they got the same 50 individuals you can see as a gallery and share screens uh, it's pretty reliable it's it had some uh, flaky ups and downs initially but i think microsoft addressed a lot of the issues so Based on the government, they don't want to be using Zoom. They're into the teams, and, and it has worked out very well. Thank you. Any other questions or any creative stuff that you've seen out in market? So one thing that we've had um, some success with around webinars is if you have um, like swag around the office that you would have used traditionally for trade shows if you were doing them in person or if you can get any from partners or vendors you work with. Um, when you run a webinar, send out like a physical conference package to the people who register. So they get a little piece of that physical connection brought to a digital event. And we've seen a lot of people starting to share those pictures and that experience on social media and even just word of mouth with other people. So in a world where everybody's doing webinars and digital events right now, it's, it's a little trick to help you stand out. Oh, I love that. Great idea. Kevin, I guess no then you have to, oh, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, you, I guess you have to ask for everybody's um, addresses and stuff. Correct. Yeah, so when they register, yeah, then you'd have to ask them for where they want it sent. And I mean, so then what we do is we make it clear that there is a conference package that's coming out. So that's why we're, we're asking okay. for that information. Now you could do one of two things, right? You could either um, just do a bare minimum registration where it's like name, email address, and then fire off the attendees an email saying, if you'd like to receive one of our physical conference packages, fill out this more detailed form. Um, so that way you still get people without forcing them to put in their address. Yeah, and I think that probably increases stickiness for events too, especially with like virtual events. There are always people who sign up who don't necessarily show. Um, and so this, you know, having that conference package, having that little extra touch probably makes them more likely to show as well. Mm -hmm. I was on something too, and it was the exact same thing is that it was, oh, we'll be giving something out at the end, um, kind of when you join. And then he even set it up front. If you stay through all the way to the end, only if you're here all the way to the end, will I give you any, it was a link for something that he had. And it was a little package that you got once you click the link. So that was a, that's another way of doing it as I guess is you kind of stay through and, and then you get that towards the towards the end and that entices people a little bit more to join. Okay. Yeah, I can talk to another creative idea I've seen from a PR perspective is demo days. Um, and so inviting press to take a look at pre-launch things uh, within a certain scope, of course, like within um, understanding that they can't like publish certain things without launch or whatever. Um, but just getting them familiar with what you're doing and what your process is and meeting your executives. I know that like in this virtual world, you could probably do it virtually um, because people probably don't want to come into your office and meet people. Uh, but I think like having and building those relationships with the journalists early um, through doing creative things like demo days where you invite them for like an exclusive look and a way to like chat with your founders and things like that. Um, can be a good way to build that relationship and start to get press coverage as well. One idea 
um, that we've played with and done a couple times and that I've heard other people do on maybe like a bigger scale is um, inviting like customers or end users to participate in a bit of a contest uh, based around like writing a case study or writing kind of like a long form testimonial. So it allows you to kind of use some of that information like on your website and in your marketing, but then it also like engages your end users and your customers. And then you can kind of promote that information on social media, like in blogs and case studies, testimonials. It allows you to have like a ton of content and then, um, you know, offering some sort of prize or promotion or discount or something to kind of the winners gives a bit of an incentive for people to write more than just like a sentence or two. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and that contest and the motivation to get them to participate is awesome too. And then you might even get the offshoot of them sharing their testimony or a case study with another potential client as well, or resharing on their social networks. Yeah, definitely. Cool. What's everyone else doing? Anyone else doing anything fun? Nope, we're all in Zoom meetings. <laughs> all good. Um, so I think, um, I'm not sure if I have any other questions for you guys. I think we could also talk a bit about some different um, ways to leverage marketing employees. So in terms of like different, um, different skills, are you guys, do any of you have any employees at your organizations that have other skills or that you know of that you could maybe leverage? Um, recently, I heard from the founders of Dot Mobile. And so um, one of them is actually a guitar player and he created a little music video for them for their social. And so they leveraged his guitar playing skills um, to create some content for themselves. I know that video creation can be something that's super expensive to do as well. Um, I've seen a lot of companies start to offer Zoom video interviews. So like for founder stories, for example, instead of going and having a fancy setup where you have to go into a studio and record your founder story, um, they're doing Zoom interviews where they give you all of the advice on how to set yourself up for it with good lighting and uh, a great outfit and then they coach you through an interview over zoom uh, and then they'll edit it down to your founder stories and it's less than 500 bucks um, which is like pretty great for a video asset but you can like with now with phones if you have a good phone you could take that content to yourself i know like for world entrepreneur day at fox quilt we interviewed some of our founders uh the two co-founders and we just did quick videos on um like what it meant to them to be a founder and where they got their inspiration from and what entrepreneurship is like in general. Uh, and we were able to edit those on our computers and put those out like videos. And that's a quick way to get video content that's obviously pretty affordable, but even like behind the scenes content, content of your team working, uh, video content is a great way to capture attention, get a lot of eye views, but um, at the same time, like you don't necessarily have to spend an arm and a leg on video content. Yeah, uh, there's, a, there's actually a lot on um, online if you look at just doing a plain old video and making it look pretty good on an iPhone. So you can you can actually look that up and they look pretty professional. Mm -hmm. I was going to say too that uh, I'm sure you guys know about, you know, how there's a lot of free like stock photo sites for blogs or for infographics or whatnot, but they also have free stock video sites. So if you're trying to create a video internally and you want stock footage of, you know, a bustling city or, you know, um, you know, a manufacturing type situation, then you can look for these uh, like actual stock videos that are free and just create your own video content from them. Samantha, do you know of any that you would recommend? Yeah, so the one is called, I'll put it in the chat, is called Pexel, and they do both free stock photos and free stock videos. Um, they have like kind of, you just go to the site and, and search it kind of like you would um, like stock, paid stock channels. So I'll put a couple of them in the chat because there's a bunch that I know of. Okay. Yeah, awesome. And on that same note, there's also free stock music. Uh, so then if you are purchasing, um, or you are trying to create a video, you don't necessarily have to pay for crazy music rates unless you want the latest Maroon 5 song or whatever on your, um, on your video. But uh, you, can, you can find all sorts of stuff on Envato Marketplace is another place where you can get a lot of great like 
template uh, stock music and for less than 20 bucks. Yeah, I think uh, Ryan put it in the uh, in the chat here because we use Adobe Spark for a lot of things. And what's really good about that is that you can actually um, put your own logo in it. So you can drag that, drag that in, take any of their stuff out and then make it look like yours. Um, the one kind of tip I was going to say, if people are using those free like stock photo or video sites, um, try to like get a little bit creative with like the terms that you're searching. So if you want like an e-commerce picture, don't just choose the first one that pops up when you search that because guaranteed there will be a ton of other people who have also used that image. I've actually seen like images that we've used on HubSpot and other places like that. So just maybe try to get creative with like what you're searching or maybe search like page two or three to find something that's a bit more unique. Yeah, and seeing um, Unsplash and Pixabay come up in here in Adobe Spark, that's where they even draw some of their pictures from. And you can um, flip back and forth between where you get them. But Samantha, that's a good, that's a good point. So with the Adobe, sometimes what you have to do is scroll down and wait for them to load. You'll see it blank, but you have to sit and wait. So if you're prepared to do that, then you see different photos. I see it. Uh, yeah, I have a question. Yeah, do you know any website who can provide this uh, photo, uh, photograph service? Because um, our situation is uh, we have different job site, uh, different uh, job. For example, some job is very far away in Alberta. Uh, we can now send someone to Alberta to take the photo of our, uh, uh, to take the picture. So is there any website so can provide to, to connect us to some photographer? Uh, in our broadcasting in other provinces or even in US, and we can uh, pay them online. Carol, a question is that to actually have them go to the site to take a picture? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I personally am not aware of any. Do any of you guys know of any? No. Well, there's a business opportunity to create a platform to connect <laughs> photographers with the customers. Oh, there we go. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Oh, plan from to connect a freelance photograph. Yeah. <laughs> what was the question again, Carol? Oh, I see. Uh, so is there any website that can connect us with a freelance photographer to go to the job site to take a picture? Mm. I'm sure there are some like that sounds like something. I know that there's websites where you can like um, get people to create a logo for you and that kind of stuff. Right. So I feel like there's probably something out there. Yeah, maybe you can uh, check Upwork. Upwork is a good site where you can hire all types of freelancers, not just uh, graphic designers oh. or uh, any sort of content writer, but I think you'll definitely find a photographer there. Parthvi, did you say Upwork? Yeah, Upwork. I'll send the link in the chat. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Yeah, so that's a great one too. Upwork is a great place to find a, a whole bunch of different um, freelancers from marketing specialists if you need a little bit of marketing support. Um, to content writers, to SEO people, um, to graphic designers. I would just say with Upwork, you've got a lot of different people from different countries there. So you definitely want to check their reviews and check the quality of the work. Yeah, I, I just put another link in, in the chat for a, a site called Gig Salad. So they have um, freelancers for everything, so musicians, uh, photography, um, um, catering. Um, so okay. we, we use that to find a, a musician for a wedding. So oh, nice. you're back quickly from these freelancers. It's pretty good. <laughs> cool. Yeah, um, just to, just to add another one to the list, I think Fiverr, it's F-I-V-E-R-R. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's another good one. Yeah. Perfect. So that's, that's another than, good uh, website where so you yeah. can uh, hire freelancers. And it's quite cheap. Thank you. There's also, uh, um, if you're doing any kind of like branding exercise or um, product names, logos, anything like that, there's a lot of platforms out there where you can crowdsource feedback on that. So you put up a cash prize of $200 and you'll get a couple hundred people submitting ideas and proofs and whichever one you pick, that's one who wins the prize. Um, I'll try to find some, uh, some examples and send that over to you guys. Yeah, Thanks, cool. Kevin. That's good. I'm just trying to make a note of some of the things here and I'll try to capture it and send everybody an email as well. Um, just to give you an idea. I know everybody's probably jotting notes, notes down. 
I know another thing that's been successful for us on our social channels has been um, contesting. And so getting, you know, people to tag a friend and then trying to leverage their networks um, so that we can get exponential reach. So um, if you're able to give away something on your social platforms and get people to engage back, even get some sort of user generated content, it's even better because uh, you can use that content like Samantha had mentioned earlier, um, like testimonials or things like that. Um, but contesting can be a good way to incent people, either from like a customer feedback and survey perspective, but also from like getting content, getting more followers, getting more content, uh, more likes on your page as well. Uh, Roshni, I have a question here. So we mm. usually have a lot of uh, creative ideas uh, that we discuss internally, and we also come up with a few creative campaigns like the one you just mentioned. But uh, when, it, when it comes to approvals, like we already have a lot of approvals in place for where you have to actually ask the management to post it or, you know, things like that. And it usually ends up that the management asks us if this particular event is going to yield any ROI. So it's a, it's a very weird question because every marketing campaign we do ends up at this question, you know, what, what is the ROI that's going to come out of it? So can you suggest something to tackle this question? Yeah, that's an interesting question on the ROI side because like there are a lot of different parts of the marketing funnel that you can't measure, like awareness. And so measuring the ROI of a PR activity can be quite challenging. Um, what I would say is look at what your KPIs are for the contest, for example. So if your KPIs are to grow your audience base by 100 um, followers or whatever, what is that 100 followers worth to you? Um, it's now 100 people that you can now talk to on a regular basis. Of those 100, do you think you could convert any of them? Um, what is your general conversion rate? Do you have any conversion rate off social? Um, if you don't, for example, you could try to maybe say X percent of these people will be within our target market and we hope that we can try to sell X percent to them. So, or you could look at them as new leads and then you could say, okay, we've brought in 100, we're hoping to bring in 100 new leads. If our cost of acquisition um, or cost per lead is like $70 on Google, then perhaps we would be willing to spend $70 cost per lead here. But then again, these leads are probably not as great as the Google leads. So maybe we're willing to spend a little less. Um, but I think if you can look at it at cost per lead or if you can try to figure out what that KPI is and how that ties back into the business, then that will help you kind of explain an ROI. Okay, yeah, thanks. It's a challenging one for sure. I yeah, know I hear I know. <laughs> people especially, right? Like how do you measure the value of awareness? Um, because that's just so high on the funnel. Um, right. And so like it's, it's not necessarily an immediate ROI, but without those activities, um, it'll be harder to convert later down the funnel. Mm -hmm. um, another way to kind of help management understand, I think is uh, showing the entire process. So showing where that fits within the customer buying process or within the marketing funnel. Um, and then if you show them where it fits within the funnel and how it plays together with all of the other tactics or how that one tactic, if you don't have it there, if there's a gaping hole in your funnel, um, I think that will help them understand too, because a lot of companies I see focus a lot on the bottom of the funnel, especially when you're starting, because that's where you're really going to see the ROI on the dollar, um, especially like, for example, with search. But then, especially when you're starting out, you don't have that awareness. So without the awareness, people don't know about you and you've got to spend a lot more on the bottom part of the funnel. Um, then if you did kind of split that budget um, and have some awareness activities, so therefore, when people have heard of you now, they're much more likely to convert. I think this reverse psychology will work. Like it's better to show them what will happen if the awareness is not there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Because okay. it costs Thanks a lot to convert a customer who's never heard about you. Yeah. Are there any more questions or comments here? Okay. Well. Thank you to everybody for joining us this morning for our marketing peer group. And uh, we look forward to seeing everybody. Uh, November is not on the calendar as of yet. Uh, we believe we're speaking to, it's on November 4th, but um, e-commerce and how to go about choosing a platform, uh, designing a great um, user experience and uh, SEO for e-commerce and how service-based companies can use e-commerce. So that's kind of the 
um, the focus. We're, we're just working with somebody who is supposed to speak to that, so it's not up there at this point. If not, then um, we'll have uh, Kevin or, or Roshni jump in <laughs> with something, something there. And then December is on the calendar for uh, future looking, and it's on designing your 2021 digital marketing roadmap and how to go about doing that. And then in January is actual trends for for 2021. So it kind of leads one into one into the other. But uh, thank you very much for joining us. If anybody has any questions or things that you do uh, wish to speak about or know about, please let us know and uh, we can get our, our experts on it or at least thinking about it or finding some information on it. So thank you. Thanks to everybody for joining us today. And we look forward to seeing you. Oh, there's, um, I know somebody actually, I'm thinking about it, brought up, Roshni, you did talk about funding. On October 23rd, we're doing a session with Venture Lab and MentorWorks on proactive approaches to government funding and kind of talking about how to be a little bit success, successful and what you should be looking for as well. So that's on a Friday, October 23rd. And then um, for those of you that are the um, key stakeholder in your business, the October 21st is our AGM. So either hopefully you'll attend or if not, get your proxy in to us as, uh, as soon as you can. So, Ryan, did I miss anything? Uh, no, I think you pretty much hit everything uh, right on. Oh, I know I did miss one. October 14th, our Lunch and Learn is on, uh, it's kind of October Cybersecurity Month, and um, it's a Lunch and Learn on kind of, you can't measure what you don't understand. And the fellow that's going to speak, he is the founder and director of um, a security operations company called Layer, Layer Zero. He had been the CIO in Sarnia. And what he's going to do is kind of relate three stories for you to be able to understand what you should be looking at, what you should be measuring, especially for a lot of us that uh, don't have the best understanding of all the security. And he's really going to focus on the fact that we transitioned super quick to being online. Most of us are, are online and not in, in an office and kind of how to deal with that. So those ones are our lunchtime events. Other than that, everybody have a fantastic day. We look forward to seeing you again in November or any of the other peer groups through the month. Uh, sales is next week. I know that kind of goes hand to hand with marketing. And uh, have a good day. Now I see the sun is coming out and it's not raining. So enjoy that. Have a fantastic uh, Thanksgiving weekend, whatever that looks like for you, whether you're with a very small group or just kind of looking at the walls within your house. So everybody have a, a great weekend and we'll, we'll catch up soon. Take care. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Great session. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you.